You're listening to Who Raised You Podcast, a kitchen table conversation between Karen Jialian Yang and Treasure Shields Redmond. Unfurled and unafraid, we're centering voices of color from flyover country, and we start every podcast with a poem. This is Karen Jialian Yang reading Water. Mama My mom thinks I'm like water. From a young age, she's seen the way I make myself fit the containers others set before me. It's true. My report cards always said, Karen needs to focus on her own work. She's too easily distracted by others. And this worries her. But she has containers for me too. And this is why we fought, especially in my teen years because she saw her reflection in my water and she wanted me to flow the way she flowed and fall upon her God, the rock that she found in this foreign land. My father, he knows I have two graduate degrees, social work and divinity, and he's still telling me to be a nurse, to work for Facebook, to move back home, be a social worker in Stanford. They don't know that in St. Louis, I've learned that I am one drop in a sea of resistance and that anger is not always a fire, but is sometimes a righteous waterfall. And this too can erode at the seemingly impenetrable, insurmountable cliffs of empire. I'm rushing all the time. There's so many fires to put out, so many seeds to water, and though I never want to be stagnant, one day I want to be a pool and reflect all the cycles of ancestors in the worlds beneath my surface. This is Treasure Shield Redmond reading For My Daughter. I must apologize beforehand. Settle yourself with the fact you will never really know me. Women have some beast of ourselves that is permanently captive. Our rage is sent away like a door-to-door salesman or transferred like a subscription. We push it down for our daughters' sakes, but they just find it when we die. Right now, you lick your whole hand, rip off your diaper, and bring it to your nose. Sweet oatmeal, applesauce, raisins, milk, hot fried tomatoes all taste better from the floor. You sample hugging your brother, then you slap him. Both make you laugh. I tell myself these things will not be taken from you.
What if a black poet from Mississippi and a Taiwanese-American minister from Silicon Valley had a podcast? We're about to find out. We might even blow up Shuwait. We probably will. You're <laughs> listening to you. Who Raised You, a kitchen table conversation between Karen Jalian Yang, that's me, and Treasure Shields Redmond. Whoop, whoop. As we explore how culture, family, and intersecting identities pave our way toward liberation, we want to know, who raised you? We're curious and sometimes irritated. Sit down, we have lots to talk about. Today, we are the hosts and guests of Who Raised You, Season 1, Episode 0. In this episode, you'll hear all about how Karen and I decided to start a podcast. But first, let's hear from our parents. This is a phone call I had with my father, Eugene Redmond. I am here with my dad, Eugene Benjamin Redmond, um, and he will be turning 80 years old in December, December 1st. Yes, this is happening. Um, My dad is a native of East St. Louis, Illinois, and he is the Poet Laureate of that city and has been so since 1976. The oldest. Uh, serving, the longest serving poet laureate of a municipality in the United States. Oh, fantastic. The research has been done by other poets laureate. That's wonderful. So, um, for anybody who continues to listen, they will find out that I am also a poet and a former English professor. So I went into the family business because my dad is also a professor emeritus uh, at SIUE University, Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. And today, dad, I'm supposed to be asking you about what I was like as a child. So what was your first impression of me the first time you got a glimpse of my personality? Um, that you were a girl with your own mind. <laughs> That's what stands out. That's what stands out to me about your childhood mm-hmm. and what stands out to me about you now. <laughs> that um, you had a vocabulary beyond your years. And um, I remember stacking biographies and autobiographies in your bedroom when you came to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, stayed with me in your summers and early teens, early and pre-teens. And um, <clears throat> I put this stack of books in your bedroom and I arranged them so that you would begin to read um, child biographies and then progress in larger to, to the older ages, specifically with Catherine Dunham. Mm-hmm. And the biographies were usually written by somebody else, you know, the child biographies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And every time I went in there, you would rearrange the order of the books so that uh, you wanted to read about these people as elders as opposed to starting. And I, mm. would, we had a couple of conversations, more than a couple. <laughs> and you said that uh, you wanted to read the adult biography. 
and I, I would rearrange. I would arrange them in the way I wanted to read them, and you would rearrange them. <laughs> so I knew you were pretty grown. <laughs> um, oh man! And uh, you had a great vocabulary. Your mother and I both talked with you about um, uh, how you your vocabulary would sometimes get you in trouble. <laughs> And oh my. you would say something like, well, just because you have the words doesn't mean you have to use them. <laughs> and, um, oh my goodness. I was, uh, I remember one time I was, I was there, I was down visiting you in Mississippi, and somebody said, we were walking, and there was somebody passed, somebody passed us and said, Everybody's so friendly. Everybody's speaking to everybody. And you said, oh, that's indigenous to the South. <laughs> and the people started to say, in what? <laughs> the adult said, it's in what? <laughs> and you said, indigenous to the South. And I just could I, you know, I never met a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> Who not only knew the word but put it in a complete sentence like that. Right. So those are some of my my um, fondest and most uh, angst and creative creating memories among yeah. Mm. Well, I guess I'll ask you one last question. Um, are you surprised at how I've turned out? <clears throat> no, I'm not surprised at how you turned out. Um, I would have been surprised if you hadn't <laughs> turned out the way you turned out. Right. I, I, I was a little fearful when you left college mm. you know, after I had take, paid the tuition. Yes, you should have been fearful. And uh, <laughs> took off with hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, took off with a a rap group. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, everybody was saying, "Well, where's your daughter going to college?" And you know, that's the kind of thing. And I had to come to grips with that in my head, like because I'm a college professor, people just make an assumption. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's going to college. Where's she going to Harvard? Yeah, mm-hmm. Jackson State. Uh, spell, you know, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, so, but you turned around, and I knew that you would one day turn around, especially if you didn't shoot out, if you didn't go out into the ozone as as a mm. hip hop rap artist mm-hmm. or an actress, you know, those could have ha- things could have happened. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm not. I wasn't surprised at all, and uh, it's. Um, This, these are great moments for me, mm. you know, uh, to to see what you're doing and go all the way back. And I can see it. I can see it moving. I mean, I saw from very early and uh, there's a kind of uh, uh, a glorious mischief. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 
it's true. And that, I believe, I got honest from you. <laughs> so on that note, I will uh, conclude this brief interview about one of the influences who raised me. The questions are what I just said. So when I was a kid, what was I like? My personality, my interests. Oh, this you should ask your dad. He'll have a lot to say. That's just it. Dad would say a lot, but you might think more about it. What he says might be about me as a kid. But you might have a more accurate response. Yeah, I thought that was a child from God. I had a dream about you. Then, when you were born, Daddy said your face was really beautiful. Anyway, I thought it was precious. Before you went to college, I returned you to God. I felt that along the journey, God was leading you. You could study at Christian college, study at seminary. God was preparing you to be God's instrument. Yeah, this is a very important point. Your little sister also thinks that being in a Christian environment is good for you. <laughs> little sister also said? <laughs> That's it. So, did you think podcasting is also good for me? Did you think that I would do this? I think podcasting... I'm not sure. I think we should be directly used by God. If one day you could use your podcasting experience and make a radio program about God, that would be even better. Like, someone named Peng Monghui, who is an American, at some age, someone told her about China, China, then she went to China. Afterward, during the Second World War, she went to Taiwan. She felt very urgent. She found a radio company, a broadcasting company. She said, I want to make a program for you. I can talk about God and teach English. And eventually the radio company said, okay, then you come do it. There she made a program called Heavenly Music Classroom, the class in the air. 
Actually, in Taiwan, there were a lot of students who studied English with heavenly choir classroom. Even my dad studied English using this program. When I was in Taiwan, I heard a radio program. There was a period of time when she was teaching English. And since she had musical talent, she started a choir, a singing worship team. So her program had songs, English lessons, and lessons about God. She's still in Taiwan, and she's 90 years old. She's really great. Her name is Peng Menghui, and I hope that one day this broadcast will really ultimately be for talking about God. That would be more consistent with the vision I had for you when I gave birth to you. You are a child that God gave me. So, yeah, that would be even better. This is my perspective. I don't know what kind of vision people have for raising their children, their different ideas. <laughs> These are mom's ideas, huh? You supported me a lot through studying social work and divinity. When I first graduated, I worked for a church with children. And now this job is no more. Do you think I failed or were you disappointed in me? That job was also given by God. All of these jobs are God's processes. When you didn't have money, God gave you a job where you could earn money. Then God also gave you these experiences like going to Canada. You can use these experiences in your next job. Like when you went to Texas and worked in a hospital, when you worked for New Life Church as a youth intern pastor, what you learned in seminary and at Pepperdine, when you were a, a spiritual advisor, yeah, a spiritual life advisor. Yeah, a spiritual life advisor. Yeah, all of these things are a foundation. God won't say, ah, Karen, you failed, okay. <laughs> All of these things are part of learning, 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 and you get more and more mature. God can use you even more. Like right now, don't I have a Bible study? I feel like I'm still learning. It's not like I've already accomplished everything and everything is done. No, I'm still learning. I'm also still learning, like guinea pig, I'm learning, learning, learning. Learning English, 
还有不是我的 turn 的时候。And when it's my turn, I'm learning how to lead others. And when it's not my turn, I'm learning how to fill in the gaps when others teach. All of these things are a process, my learning process. And one day we'll be more like Jesus. We don't want to look at small, small things. So I tell you, God wants to give you something bigger. God expects you the better. Yeah, always expects you to be the better. There's still something better. When you're doing small, small things, know that God is in the future. There's something better in the future. This is just one part. When you help Mama Cat cook, this is also one part. How you serve God, serve people, everything won't fail. God won't fail. God will use everything for good, right? Doesn't the Bible say this? Yes. God uses everything for good, right? In all things, God works for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to God's purpose. Let those who love God receive good things. In verse 28, which chapter, which verse, I can't remember that address. No problem. I know you usually remember. You write in the whole Bible inside. There's red ink everywhere. Okay, my time is about up. My friend's about to arrive and I need to prepare. Oh, I love you. I hope you live positive. Know that in the future there is something bigger. You and Harrison need to encourage each other to be positive. Okay, I love you. I love you. Drink more water. Okay, bye. After listening to these lovely phone calls from our parents. Yes, that was a trip. We both learned some things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, do we want to talk through our poems? I just heard your poem for the first time and you heard my poem for the first time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we were thinking about our, our podcast, one of the things that we said is that we wanted to start every podcast with a poem. Mm -hmm. And that goes to Treasure's background as a poet. Truth, truth. I, I thought it was interesting the way our poems kind of bookended each other. And I am eating um, Halloween candy because it was Halloween two days ago now? Two days ago now. Um, I thought it was interesting the way our poems bookended each other because yours is about being a daughter. And I experience you as very much grappling with your mother's expectations still, mm. which is what the 20s is about. That's embarrassing. So. <laughs> I can't believe it's that obvious. I think we're all there, right? That's what the 20s are about. That's true. That's, um, that's why we all need therapy. You know, I'm, the, I'm an elder in training, so I'm biologically old enough to be Karen Jia Lian Yang's mother. 
but spiritually, I, I have the spirit of a 19-year-old. I mean, you should see the way that Treasure uses Instagram. Like, that's why she manages that for us. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, and I really loved the image of the water. Um, could you tell me what the words you said at the beginning meant in Chinese? Yeah. Um, so I said... Mama And that means mom says you're like water. Mm. And that's something that she would tell me on and off like throughout my childhood. And it usually was if I was doing something that she wasn't really approving of. Really? And yeah. And it wasn't that I was doing like up to no good necessarily, but it was that she saw that I was easily influenced by other people mm. and that I want, I was really social mm -hmm. more like that because, um, you know, as I mentioned in the poem, there is, there was kind of like sometimes a tense relationship between us, mm -hmm. um, because, she would try to like rein me in and try to tell me what to do and I hated that like I hated her telling me what to do I hated her like scolding me like I even if I felt eventually that something was the right thing to do like I wanted to come to it on my own mm. um so yeah so she she has often told me that like you know that I'm like water I'll take on like the shape of any container that I'm put into or she'll also give me some advice about like taking compliments and how that I should um, pretend it's like perfume and just like smell it but not like drink it mm, yeah. interesting yeah I'm not sure how to feel about that <laughs> why is that from from a personal perspective or as a parenting perspective uh, well you know what your my relationship with my mother was very different from yours sure um I was an only child and very very doted on mm in almost a strange way. Okay. <laughs> did it go through to your head is the question. <laughs> I don't think it did. And okay. you know, sometimes I think with the level of doting that my mother did, for me not to be a raging narcissist, I must have had some deep mm. need in me to mm. be bolstered. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of children that they would have been ruined and not been able to be a mm. decent human. Yeah, My sure. mother, every morning when I woke up, she literally would be like, you're a genius. Yeah. And people would be around us and they would just be like rolling their eyes. Like, what the hell? Well, maybe, maybe those <laughs> are the forces that she had to counteract because if mm. there are people around you that are like assuming that you're not a genius then you know clearly there's something to work with there right well i'm like uh was it quasi is yeah. it quasi and fumi that used to be head of the either the naacp i think he said um in in the human in the human world you know most of us are average uh, a couple of geniuses and a liberal sprinkling of fools. So I don't think... I don't want to be the liberal <laughs> sprinkling of fools. I don't think genius is that common. I mean, I feel good about myself, but genius, I think, is going a little too far. I mean, I will say, though, that your poem read distinctly different from mine. Mm. And, it was, and, and part of it is that you've been a poet and you're probably inheriting some some poetness from your dad as mm -hmm. well and they're come through poetness yeah right like the, the <laughs> images were really vivid and like mine was like i'm talking to you with spaces in between 
Um, and then also, um, whenever we've talked to our podcast guests, um, I'm always struck by how much you bring in as well. So whether it's like questions or you're, you have some thought or you just like come up with some witty saying mm. and I'm just like, yeah, like you have a way of like getting right to the words, which, um, goes to your, the conversation that we had your, with your dad about how words came early to you. You know what? I really appreciate that Karen Jiali and Yang, um, the world's greatest Taiwanese freedom fighter. <laughs> I, and I, you know, my poem is about being a mother and yours was about being a daughter. Right. And I think that speaks to the stage of life that we're both in. Mm -hmm. And also now that my mother passed away in 2005 and my daughter was born in 2006. So there was definitely a baton passing. Like I completed being a daughter before oh, I became a mother. Because I was going to say that I would speculate that you never stop being a daughter and you never stop being a mother. But it seems like for you, when like you became a mom, or that, that superseded the daughterness? I would say for me it did uh -huh. because my mother loomed so large in my life when she was alive. Like I said, I was an only child. We were really close. Um, but, you know, it was not without complications because she was quite frankly mentally ill. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the symptoms of her schizophrenia, that was one of her diagnoses, would just overwhelm her. Yeah. So in some ways I felt like her mother. Mm. Oh, it's, it's parentification. I experienced mm -hmm. that as well. Mm -hmm. Not because of mental illness, but like me and my sister, there were times, I mean, just being a daughter of immigrants alone, the fact that like from a very young age, like you're answering the door mm -hmm. because you can speak English or mm -hmm. you're like answering the phone or you're translating at the doctor's office. Like that's a mm -hmm. huge thing because I mean, doctor's offices are where you make like big decisions or mm -hmm. you're, like you're learning some things for the first time possibly. Um, and so there's that. And then also some family dynamics where we just in, in some cases felt like, like we needed to raise ourselves. Like, you know, it might be anything from, like, preparing food to navigating. Like, I remember really distinctly this uh, time when I was with my mom outside of Rite Aid, which is our, like, CVS mm -hmm. or Walgreens, you know, a pharmacy. And that was when I had just gotten into college, and I was just so anxious and um, frustrated because I found out that I didn't know how to pay for it. So, um you know, I had to navigate the FAFSA on my own, which kind of speaks to um, what we'll discuss later, which is uh, <laughs> your job of getting the acceptance letter, mm -hmm. get the acceptance letter dot online, <laughs> hashtag plug, um, <laughs> hashtag ad. Right. Um, but anyway, so I didn't know how I was going to pay for college and I didn't know how to choose between these three like beach schools. Mm -hmm. What a hard problem. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really upset because all around me were friends who had more money in their family and also seemed to have things more together and it was just like a given that no matter where they wanted to go they would be able to go mm. and i remember like shouting at her and just being like why why don't i like know what to do why can't i like just go you know like why don't we have a way for to pay for this and and i was like did you not think that i would grow up mm. and she was like well when you have a kid like you're just thinking of them as a baby. And that made me so mad. Mm. And like now I've gotten more perspective about like 
how life is and how complicated it can be and um, just all the circumstances that lead to parenthood. Um, and so I'm more gracious and forgiving of that. And I also don't necessarily think she was in the wrong at all necessarily now. But mm -hmm. at the time, I remember feeling very betrayed. Wow. Yeah, so my entitlement peeking through. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think part of the reason our conversations um, flow so well uh, is because we have these points of connection. So I... I don't know, maybe maybe if I unpacked it in therapy, there's some feeling of betrayal <laughs> underneath my relationship with my mother. But I can say that I definitely switched places with her early on, not because she was an immigrant and for whom English was her second language, but because she was ill so often in a way that prevented her from interacting with the world in a responsible fashion. Mm. So like I remember the exact same college I went to, mm -hmm. she had gone to in fits and starts a couple of times trying to complete a degree mm -hmm. and her symptoms would become too overwhelming. So she owed all this money to the school and she was upset about it to the point of tears. And I sat down with her and I must have been somewhere between the age of 11 and 13. Mm -hmm. I sat down with my mother and went through her receipts and discovered that she had paid them back maybe one and a half times. Wow. Because she kept sending money orders every month. Ah. So we got all of the money orders, made a copy of them on a sheet of paper, wrote a letter, and I remember we walked down the street to this place where you could fax and write letters. Mm -hmm. This was like pre-FedEx Kinko's. Yeah. So this was somebody's business. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Bob in the so, mail room. Right, right. <laughs> so parentification, right. most definitely. Which brings me to the name of our podcast, Who Raised You? Who raised we must you? be haunted. We must be haunted, Karen, about our rearing. I know. And we and mind you, anyone who's listening right now is the season of Halloween. So we're we're thinking <laughs> haunting right Ooh. now. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so earlier on when we were talking about what what should we name our podcast, we threw a lot of things out. Speaking of which, the kids are home. Who is that? Who goes there? It's Ramses. Hi, Ramses. I'm Karen. <laughs> I steal your mom sometimes, and we have a podcast. Did she tell you? Uh, no. What? I mean, yeah, she did. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah, because I know you've, you've sometimes thrown the pizza in when she's at my house too long. So, sorry. Right. And there's more pizza. The door's open. And is that y'all? Yes, yes, that is y'all. Hi, y'all. It's Karen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Whose gecko is this? Who's Mr. Stripes? Ramses is responsible for Mr. Stripes. <laughs> mm -hmm. How was school today, sweetheart? Good. All right. I hate to shush you all up, but we've got to finish this podcast. So, won't be much longer. Okay. 15 minutes. <laughs> Ramses is like, okay, I'm out of here. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So on that note, with that sweet distraction of the two kiddos. See, this is how you all know that this is real. We are actually at a kitchen table. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> um, so uh, we're haunted. talking about parentification. We're yes. talking about being haunted. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about this concept that we had about how who raised you can be taken in so many ways. Like that question mm. can be really curious. Like who raised you? Yes. And it can be also angry, like frustrated. 
who raised you? Mm -hmm. Like wolves is the implication. <laughs> um, and it all, we can also think about like who raised you in a very broad sense of like, in some ways our country has raised us. In mm. some ways our society has raised us. Uh, we have some queer folks on our podcast and they talk about their families of choice. And even if you're not queer, you may have families of choice as well. Um, so there's influences all over that raise us. Um, and I remember at one point trying to think of, you know, I think sometimes it's nice to um, just ruminate on like different concepts and you think of all sorts of things. And at one point I was thinking like, America's a bad dad or Uncle Sam is a bad dad mm. in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, the parenting influences of culture, um, they are so overwhelming and you can't see out of them oftentimes. And that's what a lot of us are grappling with now in, during this current presidency uh, with President Trump as we continue to talk to people that we love and realize that they live in a totally different family than we live in. And we thought we, thought we were experiencing family in the same way, but there is uh, a family for wealthy people, there's a mm. family for cis white people, there's a family for queer people, for immigrant people, for Muslim people, uh, there's a family for black people that's different than the family for white people. So yeah, this idea, this query, this question, who raised you, is so, so resonant during this time. Yeah, and I'm thinking also about how um, technology impacts things as well. So there's mm. a generation that was a little bit like, you know, I, I don't know that radio necessarily did this, but I do know that like TV has raised people for oh, yeah, sure, right? Definitely. And then, um, well, and not necessarily radio, but we can talk about how music raised people, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that comes up in your conversation with your dad about how important music was. You can mm -hmm. hear music in the background um, mm -hmm. as you're talking to him. Um, we talked about how that was Billie Holiday, mm -hmm. and then how you also had like a breakout career, and you were or were almost signed by a label. You know, I had this high school rap group and we were signed by a label. We were signed by MC Hammer's label. Um, but yeah, when you talked about how music raises us, I think about for many people, ideas about resistance come forward first through music. Mm. When, when you think of the cliche of the rebellious teen in the room, they always have loud music on, whether it's hip hop, oh, rock and roll, true. punk. Right, and the door is closed, so exactly. like shut everyone else out. So they're, they're listening very closely to that, per, that parenting influence, the beat, the guitar, the yeah. lyrics, all of that, yeah. So and I guess on, we can pull in music as a parenting influence. Right. And on the flip side, we are going to hear from uh, KB Frazier, um, Dr. KB Frazier. And he uh, is, is featured in an episode called The Sound of Dissent. And so um, they have music happening out on the streets, um, not shut in a room. And uh, that's that's gonna be our first episode after this origins episode that's gonna come out mm -hmm. um, pretty soon uh, we're doing a launch November 12th and we're excited about that and then coming to you in the new year we're looking to release episodes hopefully every week mm -hmm. and we'll have a whole season um, just of amazing people uh, centered in the Midwest uh, particularly starting out in st. Louis mm -hmm. and they're really great from all different perspectives talking about who raised them. Yes, centering voices of color, 
Um, and, you know, people often call them marginalized voices, but I wouldn't call these voices marginalized. I would call these voices from the center mm. um, speaking to the margins because what's at the margins right now is a lot of fear, um, a lot of uh, clinging to old ideas and clinging to spiritual regimes mm. <laughs> that uh, kept a lot of us in bondage not just physically, but in other ways too. So it's wonderful to center voices that focus on freedom. Well, and I also like that you say that it, these voices are not necessarily marginalized, um, not because that might not be true, but because I think that really speaks to the attitude towards which we're doing this podcast. Because mm -hmm. really early on, we were talking about how important it is to have media by and for people of color mm -hmm. from the Midwest or flyover country, whatever you want to call it, because so much media is owned and created by those who are not people of color, who are f uh, from the coasts, for example, mm -hmm. or even... So what you get is people talking about places and people that they don't really belong to or don't, aren't really from or can really speak to. Truth. And I think we're getting to a point... Um, you can see this in literature, you can see this in religion, you can see this in society, especially with technology too, where we understand that we all have perspectives and that's fine. We don't have to pretend to be this like nonpartisan objective mm -hmm. perspective. I don't know if you guys heard the doorbell ring in the background as Karen was saying those brilliant words, but kids are call coming now to ask for my daughter. She's the... Um, She's the social hub of our neighborhood. Well, we better get that doorbell. <laughs> right. So, you know what? On that note, I think that we're going to close this one out. That's um, a good one. I want to tell people that who raised you is, you know, an undiscovered gem right now. But we're expecting to shine it up and blow up Shuey. We're going to blow up Shuey. <laughs> so this is Treasure Shields Redmond signing off. And I'll sign you out after talking to you for a bit. You can visit whoraiseyoupodcast.com to learn more and support us. Book us or donate to buy us a cup of tea and support media by people of color from flyover country. You can like us on Facebook and Instagram. Or email us at whoraisedyoupodcast at gmail.com to suggest poets, guests, topics, and to help with transcription. This is co-hosted by Treasure Shields Redmond whoop, whoop. and Karen Jalian Yang. We have consulting by Farfetch Collective. You can contact wearefarfetched at gmail.com to learn more about how they can help you launch or expand your project, business, or nonprofit with their agency framework. We have tea from Teetopia. Today we have Ui Oolong. It steeps multiple times and is especially roasty. You can visit teetopiastl.com and have a graceful Teetopia experience. Thanks to Eugene Redmond and Zimfen Francis Yang for being guests on today's show. Baby, I just need you to know Your essence is beautiful